Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. How do Latter-day Saints recognize the Spirit? That is the question we've been looking at this week, taken from an article written by a Mr. Mark A. Matthews, who is involved with the LDS Seminaries and Institute. Those are places of learning on a high school and college level. He mentions in this article that he has had people come to him who wonder, how do they, as Latter-day Saints, recognize the Spirit? And if you've talked with any Latter-day Saints for any amount of time, you'll probably have heard this phrase being brought up about the Spirit, the Spirit, revelation, modern-day revelation, and things like that. In this article, he's going to give guidelines as to how Latter-day Saints can recognize what they believe to be the Spirit. And of course, as a New Testament believer, I do not think the Holy Spirit of Mormonism is the Holy Spirit of the New Testament, mainly because I believe, as Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to truth. Mormonism, I do not believe, is true. There are a lot of teachings that it emphasizes that cannot come from the Holy Spirit because they conflict with what the Holy Spirit has revealed in our Bibles. But for many Latter-day Saints, that doesn't seem to be enough. In fact, we cited Mormon Apostle Boyd Packer, who said, if all you know is what you see with your natural eyes and hear with your natural ears, then you will not know very much. So it's up to the Latter-day Saint, we're assuming, to go beyond what we see on the printed page and get into the realm of the subjective. And from that, we draw the conclusion that that is really the Spirit talking to us. And as we mentioned yesterday, this article on numerous occasions talks about the importance of feeling, like a feeling of peace, peace to your mind, feelings to the heart. These are not good methods for determining what is really the Spirit or what is true, but yet this is something that many Latter-day Saints use. Now, at the beginning of the article, he talks about how when some of these people come up to him wondering how to recognize the Spirit, he said that the Lord Jesus Christ has answered this question in the Scriptures and the teachings of modern prophets. So you see, automatically, you are guided towards the LDS Church because they feel that they are the only ones who have modern prophets. So whatever conclusions you come up with regarding what you think is the Spirit or is not the Spirit is going to really be dictated by the position of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, even when it comes to Scriptures, because the word Scriptures in Mormonism, does not just refer to the Bible, it refers to also the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, as well as the inspired words of their living prophets. They can also be accepted as scriptures. Well, under the subheading scriptures, Eric, on page 11, what do we learn? The Lord Jesus Christ revealed that we can hear his spiritual voice speaking to us when we study the scriptures. He said, these words are not of men 
but of me. For it is my voice which speaketh them unto you, for they are given you by my spirit unto you, and by my power you can read them. Wherefore you can testify that you have heard my voice. And that comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 18, verses 34 to 36. If Joseph Smith was in fact a false prophet, don't you think he would invoke the authority of God to tell his followers, hey, these words are not of men, they're of God. Well, how would you know that? You would have to be able to test it against something else. There's got to be a way of attempting to falsify what you're being told. But no, you're just supposed to take it that the Doctrine and Covenants is the Word of God. Now, that's difficult for us because we don't believe that the Doctrine and Covenants is Scripture, as Latter-day Saints do believe it to be Scripture. But I find it interesting here that while we're told to study the Scriptures, if I tell missionaries that I'm not willing to pray the Moroni 10-4 prayer, as we talked about earlier this week, but I'll take the Book of Mormon and I'm going to evaluate it, I'm going to read it, and test what it says against real history, real archaeology, real anthropology, and I'll give you an answer then. I've done that with missionaries, and I don't often get a big smile on their faces when I've told them that. They look a little concerned, like, why would you want to do that? Well, because, as we've talked about this entire week, my feelings can mislead me in the directions that I go. So I know, and, and the verses that you read yesterday, I think, prove this, Eric, that we can let our feelings take us into an area that can be very dangerous for us. This is all we're bringing out this week. We don't feel that this method that is given here by Mr. Matthews is really good at all. Well, many Latter-day Saints might say, well, don't you believe in faith? Well, of course we believe in faith, but we have reasons to believe in that faith. See, reason in Christianity is not a foe of faith. It's a friend. It's called inference to the best explanation. I think the Bible is very clear that we're supposed to test everything. How do we test it? Through just feelings? Or are we going to use God's Word to help us understand what it is that we're supposed to believe and think? This is the difference between Christianity and Mormonism. In Christianity, we are very big on reason, but we're not rationalists. We don't believe that it stops with that. We have to have faith. Reason plus faith equals our Christianity. I don't know who came up with this saying, but it is something that has certainly helped guide my life. And it goes along these lines that to believe in something without the evidence is faith. But to believe something that contradicts the evidence or goes against the evidence, that's not faith. That's folly. And I firmly agree with that. And I think it's a good rule to use. If, for instance, Latter-day Saints are believing things that evidence shows could not possibly be true, and you believe it anyway, that's not faith, that's foolishness. I'll give you a case in point, the first vision. Latter-day Saints are told that the first vision took place in the spring of 1820, but the events that led to that first vision that Joseph Smith describes, and he gives us a list of some of the things that were going on in the area where he lived at that time regarding this religious excitement and how it ended, and sometimes even the people that were involved, we learn also, do not point to 1820, but instead point to 1824. 
But yet Latter-day Saint leaders still get up in general conference and throw out that bogus spring of 1820 date for the first vision when it cannot possibly be true. Now, is the Spirit confirming to these Latter-day Saints that it really did take place in the spring of 1820, even though the evidence says it could not have possibly taken place at that time? No, I don't believe the Spirit's telling them at all. Perhaps a false spirit, but not the Holy Spirit of the Bible. Bill, the last two points are given on page 12, and they're unique to Mormonism. The first one would be temple. He writes, President Nelson taught that we can also hear him in the temple. The house of the Lord is a house of learning. There we learn how to part the veil and communicate more clearly with heaven. And then he says, the prophet Joseph Smith prayed for us to be able to learn to recognize the spirit more fully in the temple when he prayed, quote, that all those who shall worship in this house may grow up in thee and receive a fullness of the Holy Ghost. And that's from Doctrine and Covenants, section 109, verses 14 and 15. What do you think about the idea that they can understand more based on what they learn in the temple? Well, I think we have to take the last sentence of that paragraph where it says, when we consistently worship in the temple, we gain experience feeling the Spirit. Again, there goes the feelings. Now, obviously, they feel that their temples are very important. I don't, I don't mock that concept. I know that's something that they believe quite sincerely. But again, it's certainly not a restoration as they've been led to believe. Does the Spirit tell them that this is actually a restoration of how things were done anciently? If so, that cannot be the Holy Spirit, because that's not what was done anciently. We don't see anywhere in history that Christians were worshiping as Latter-day Saints do in their temples, learning secret handshakes and learning passwords and going from room to room. And we don't see that at all. It was all about the sacrifice of animals and blood being shed on behalf of the sins of the people. It had nothing to do with even being peaceful in the temple. I hear that a lot. Well, it's so peaceful. Well, that's not the way it was in ancient Israel. It was kind of noisy. You got animals being slaughtered right and left. It wasn't anything at all like the temples that are owned by the LDS Church. And then the point on prophets, he writes, finally taught President Nelson, we hear him as we heed the words of prophets, seers, and revelators. As we regularly listen to the messages of our living prophets and apostles and act on their counsel, we invite the Holy Ghost to teach us. This is another important source of experience with the Spirit that can help us recognize His influence. I think that statement would probably carry more weight with me if the Latter-day Saint could show me a consistency among all of their prophets, going clear back to Joseph Smith. I look at prophets as those who declare the mind and will of God, getting their information from that God. But yet we find LDS prophets saying different things throughout history. For instance, Latter-day Saints living today certainly in many regards don't believe like the Latter-day Saints of Joseph Smith's and Brigham Young's time. Why not? Because prophets since that time have tweaked the message. It's not the same any longer. In fact, I would guarantee you, if you're a Latter-day Saint, if you started emulating the teachings and the behavior of Brigham Young, you'd probably be excommunicated from your church. 
Now, if we're supposed to get our information through these prophets because somehow they've been led by the Spirit, why is that? Shouldn't they be consistent in what they're teaching? Bill, did you notice that throughout the article, he keeps citing President Nelson, the 17th president of the church? Well, I I can go back to what we said earlier in the week. I, I think even Nelson understands, as every president of the church probably understands, that there's a good chance that once they pass away, a lot of things that they have taught will probably either be slowly forgotten. And I say that purposely because the LDS church doesn't normally come out and directly contradict what a past leader has said. They don't normally do that. That's that's done very rarely, and I can only think of one time in my lifetime, and that would probably be when Spencer Kimball referred to Brigham Young's Adam God theory as being a false doctrine. Um, of course, it wasn't a theory with Brigham Young. He believed it was a doctrine. He said so at the end of that particular sermon in April of 1852. But what they do is they just allow a doctrine that they no longer want to talk about die from silence. We'll just let it go, and then as generations come and go, that teaching tends to go away. And that way they don't have to come out and publicly rebuke the teaching of a past leader, which of course would, and I think rightfully, raise questions in the mind of faithful leaders who felt at one time that that teaching was given to them by the Spirit. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.